This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. And welcome to Chapter Tactics, your 40k podcast which focuses on playing warmer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. Brought to you by Frontline Gaming, your every your one place stop shop for all things gaming and 40k related. I'm your host Petey Pob, and today I have a very special ETC episode. And with me, I brought Mr. Tom Adriani, a former chairman to ETC and also a Belgish team captain. Say hi, Tom. Hello. Uh, and Val Heffelford. Very good. Because I had to bring another person not from the U.S. on, and Val's also a really great guy. This is a very international uh, podcast, but I don't think any of us are Belgish. Belgian. I, I apologize. <laughs> Bel- but I'm sorry. My, my American poked out a little bit. I, I promise it won't happen again. It's okay. If you ever get over here, you can make it up to me with a beer. That's how we do things here in, in Belgium. Deal. I'll make it up to you with a beer. One of my one of my favorite things about visiting uh, Belgium was discovering that Stella Artois was like the the like Bud Light of your country. It's it's marketed as like a premium beer here. <laughs> yes, and that's it, how we make serious money is by making it sound like it's a premium beer, right? Just a, a lager, like every other lager. Out there. <laughs> <laughs> Real actually, quick. I actually work for the company that makes this beer, so. <laughs> Oh, there you go. There <laughs> nice. you go. So it worked. It, 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 I have to say, it worked. A lot of people, a lot of fancy people, love Stella Artois in Canada. Nice. You should. It's a good beer. It is. It's a good. It is a good beer. <laughs> Tom, do you have a particular beer, Belgian beer that that you like that we might not have heard of? Yeah, my favorite is Triple Caramelite. It's called Triple Caramelite. Uh, it's triple. It's really good. If you ever have the chance to check it out, please do. Right on. Okay, guys, uh, enough about beer, international beers in particular. We're going to talk today about the ETC Team Championships, or the European Team Championships, ETC. Uh, We're going to talk specifically to Tom about what the ETC is all about. We're going to ask him some questions, and if you haven't heard of the ETC, it's essentially every year they have an international tournament held in a different country every year, kind of like how FIFA... uh, has bids for different countries a different country hosts every year same thing with the etc and these guys duke it out for four days uh in a tournament hall convention and out comes an international champion winner um tom who won last year in spain um i think it was russia 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 won last year they quite quite an upset but uh they did it i think nice and it served me right <laughs> uh, I'd love to talk about that a little bit um, later, but essentially the reason why I wanted to talk to Tom about the ETC is I've I've noticed a trend in specifically in the ITC community, um, but in general in the 40k community um, that I follow, that uh, you know the ETC is kind of it's not mythical, it's 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 just not well known um, in the ITC community. I don't really know a lot about how how things work with the ETC, how the ETC organization, organization operates, what missions they use, et cetera, et cetera. And I'd like to shed a little light on what the ETC does because I do think it's very important for the 40K competitive community. Um, the ETC is obviously, it's this big team tournament. Um, there's a lot of intrigue. As Tom said, the Russian national team upset, um, won in an upset. And I'd love to bring more awareness to that and more coverage to that. And I think that's could bring nothing but good things um, and ultimately help the or the tournament 40k community. So 
We're going to talk all things ETC. Uh, we're going to talk about the Belgian team championships that just happened a few weeks ago. And we're going to talk about the top lists there, um, who the winning team was. Uh, it was a four-person team. It was four players per team, not eight players per teams, like the ETC normally has. But I think, um, as Tom, I think, would agree with me, I think there's still a lot of good stuff to look at in terms of uh, preview to what the ETC possibly will be for 8th edition this year. Um, so we're going to do jump into that, and then we're going to do a Q&A session. We're going to talk to Tom, and we're going to ask him questions. All right. Tom, what is the ETC to you? Uh, yeah, basically, the ETC is a bit, um, a bit misleading. We would like to change the name to the WTC, like the World Team Championships. But, uh, yeah, the fact that it's held in Europe every year, we said, okay, uh, let's stick with the name. But uh, basically, it's like the World Championships of uh, 40K. So uh, countries from all around the world, from Australia to America to Turkey to Iceland uh, attend. So it's uh, yeah, a very international event. It's very niche, like you said. Like uh, uh, Probably a lot of Americans haven't heard of it or don't really know what it's about because only eight Americans can attend in the end. Um, so that's a bit a pity, but uh, it's a very elite event because of it. You know, only the best players attend, so it's very, very nice to, to go there and see the level and try to compete and uh, make some friends uh, from all around the world. That's basically what it's about. Uh, I've been doing it 10 years straight now, and I've made so many friends. I can recommend the experience to, to everyone, really. Nice. Tell me a little bit about your 40K background. What, what armies do you like? Well, I've been I've been an orc player since the very beginning, nice. but um, I've, over the years I've dabbled in like all armies, so I think I've played them all by now. Uh, just the ones that I'm not really too familiar with are Tyranids. I've never really played Tyranids, but other than that, I've played all things Imperium. I've played uh, Chaos, uh, you name it, I've played it. <laughs> nice. And I started way back in second edition. I once uh, ended up in the the room of my my cousin. And her boyfriend had like five Space Wolves guys out on a table somewhere that he was painting. I was like, hey, what's this? And he took me to his cellar where he had like a whole setup uh, way back in the day. And I, yeah, I was sold from that moment on. <laughs> nice. And so how did you, um, you know, I believe you're telling us pre-show that you've been involved, you know, 10 years with the ETC. How was it that you got, got involved with, uh, with going to the team tournament every year? Well, that's... Uh, also something very, very uh, organic that happened. So I've been involved with the Belgian community and the tournament organization for quite a while. So I met a lot of guys along the way. And one of the guys from the fancy team at the time, um, he was actually a chairman of the ETC. So he got involved with ETC like two years before me. Uh, he knew what qualities I had as an organizer and whatnot. And he was about to step down as a, as a chairman. And he said, like, okay, we need guys with your kind of driving motivation, so why don't you try to apply for it? And I was like, okay, you know, I don't really know how the ETC is run or what it takes or whatever, but I'll put my name in the hat. I'm not expecting to be elected or whatever, just saying, like, okay, I'll put my name out there, so maybe the next year they will see a familiar name and vote for me. Or... But uh, I got in, and, yeah, it's been a smooth ride and a long, uh, uh, I'd say, a pleasant experience ever since, so... It uh, happened quite by by haphazard, you know, just one guy mentioning it, and I was quite lucky to to get involved that early. But uh, I haven't regretted it ever since. But uh, it was very very, uh, I'd say, this very natural occurrence actually. So okay, right on. So let's let's fast forward. So tell us about this year's ETC. Who's the host nation, um, and what do you expect from this year's it's, ETC? Uh, it's going to be in Croatia, in Zagreb this year, so it's going to be warm and a very nice environment. It will be also quite cheap, I think, to go out and have some beers and some food over there, so it should be quite nice on the social side. Um, for the event itself, uh, I don't know, I, I'm not a chairman this year, so I don't have a view on the preparation, but um, the guy who's running it is actually one of the 40k captains, so I think he knows what is required, and I I think you will be on top of the only thing, like usual, that will um, maybe be a problem is the terrain, but uh, we'll see that when we get there, I, I suppose. Right on. So, to just allay some fears, maybe since you brought brought up the terrain thing, I think there was some 
sort of famous photos from from last year's ETC, and I'm not sure if it stretches back before that. Is there anything that the the captains have been discussing to try and address, uh, you know, some solutions to the train? Yeah, some captains are are of course uh, aware of this, and they try to play short on the ball. And there's some suggestions like some teams can maybe bring their own terrain or whatnot. But, um, I think it should be okay. Um, Croatia is not that far from big communities like uh, Romania or Serbia or whatnot, so we can drive in some terrain if need be. All that needs to happen is for the organizer to, to communicate his needs. So fantastic. Right, and yeah, so we don't want a repeat of last year. So yeah, good, good. And and so, how do you guys determine which country um, you guys pick? Right, obviously, there's I imagine there's a bid and there's contenders. And um, I know that you put in your country and then you do the following etc. So not the not the next year to next etc. But the one after. So how what goes into that decision to pick a country to ho- a host nation? Yeah. So basically, we have like a. A collection of captains, like uh, from all the systems that attend. So, if you attended one ETC in the last two years, you have a vote, and then basically every country that attended in any of the systems get the vote, which the host nation is. So, basically, bidders put their bid out there with uh, with all the info, and then people can read it and then determine where they go. But uh, there's some controversy about that, of course, because not everything that is promised in the bid is always delivered. So there's no way to check that up front, of course. And then also, um, people tend to vote for new locations. So because they want to spend their vacation, because like the Americans, they, they build a vacation around it, and a lot of other countries do so as well. They take their wives along on the trip and make it like a big family vacation, and they just sneak out for like three or four days to go play some with some, some minis. Um, so it's nicer if it's in a new location and you don't have to go back to the same country every year because then it's more difficult to sell it to the wives. Um, so yeah, sometimes we get new organizers that we don't really know a lot of background for just because all, all the captains voted for a new location. Okay. All right. And um, do you? I know this might this might seem like it's common sense, but um, do you have to be a European country to to host the ETC or could like us Americans make a bid over here, or Canadians. We've we've joked about that a few times. Uh, there's nothing stopping um, Americans from putting um, or Canadians or even South American countries or whatnot. Um, but of course, uh, it would not get voted for because um, the thing is, we have a lot of Eastern European countries where the wages are a lot lower than, than here in, in Western Europe. So I don't think those countries would vote for American bid to begin with because they would then would not be able to attend ETC because of visum issues, uh, money issues. So if I see how much the Australians or the Americans spend every year coming over to Europe, I cannot imagine any of the Eastern European unions even getting a team together. So. Okay, that's, that's an interesting yeah. point that I didn't think of. Yeah, it's uh, actually probably... If you look at the concentration of you know Warhammer and 40k players in the world, it, you know so a place in Europe is probably the closest to the to the most of them. Although, who knows? I mean, the American market is massive, but I, I would be I would be curious to see where all the where all the Warhammer players players are and, uh, and and which one would be more convenient for the most of them. Although in the states they got the ATC though, right? So yeah, in Tennessee, there's a great there's a there's a great team event to go to if you're an American or a Canadian there as well. Yeah, and and the other reason why, just to segue a little bit, um, uh, the reason why I want to bring this up is if you want to run an ETC style event, um, in the states, that this might be the podcast to listen to if you've always been curious about running it. So you know, I know Val went to an ETC style event in Canada, um, right, Val? Yeah, absolutely. We we have the uh, the Canhammer team tournament. It's actually coming up at the end of April, um, and uh, runs uh, this actually this year they're actually going up to a five person team, which is pretty exciting. It was four man before, like the Belgian team tournament that was run. So yeah. Yeah, and and I know that's probably part of the reason why the ATC was born, maybe, um, because it is statistically very hard to have uh, an e or a world or WTC or an ETC in America. Um, I definitely see that now. Um, but yeah, if, if you guys were listening, you guys want to have an ETC event, um, I would definitely recommend either hitting up Tom later um, or listening to this podcast and deciding it on your own. I think that's a very good idea. 
So Tom, why? What is it about the format, in your opinion, that that makes it special? You know, going, you know, doing the team format versus you know a singles event. Well, I think there's something to be said about playing for a team. You know, you're not playing for yourself. There's like the camaraderie that comes with it, with it, and you know, like scratching for points. Like even if you get two or three or four points, it can some sometimes feel like a victory. You know, like you you still did something for the team. And often these games get decided on like two or three point swings. So like often it's the very last game of the eight matchups that decide if a team will win or, or not. Because I don't know if you know, but there's like a cutoff. Like one one team should hit 86 points out of eight matchups out of a possible 20 per game um, to get a win for the team. So mm-hmm. it's a very thin line between victory or defeat. So that in itself is like the, the, the team playing... Uh, thing is, is what what makes it so interesting is that you're not doing it for, just for yourself. What you get out of a match is of course very personal, but what you get out of it for the team, that's a feeling that's very difficult to okay. describe. Um, you have to live, live it to feel it. And then of course it's a very elite event, like I said, only eight Americans can go. So that in itself lends it like you said, something magical, something mythical. Um, it makes it very fun. So you know you're competing against guys who probably qualified for for the team in some way, uh, in, you know, these guys know their shit, so when you're playing them, it's always very high level, very competitive, so when you get that win, it feels extra great, because, you know, you're not doing it against a, a baby seal or whatnot, but actually a guy who prepared for this, coming into it probably the entire year, so it's, uh, it's just everything that comes together, you know, Okay. and for me, for me personally, what makes ETC is just uh, the camaraderie. I've been doing this for 10 years straight, and I've made so many friends that it's just a uh, thing on my calendar. I cannot see myself missing, you know, uh, even in 10 years, 20 years. Even if I won't be playing, I will probably still be attending. So, Just hanging out around up front? Yeah, I mean... It's handing just... out Stella Artois? <laughs> yeah, and, and getting beers as well. I have a thing with Andrew uh, Gagnon. He brings me beers, and I bring him beers every year, so... <laughs> that in itself is a reason for going. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, speaking on on the team on the team uh, side of things, uh, as I understand it, each player on an eight person team can only bring uh, one faction, or I guess you can you can't split you can't share factions, right? So you can't have two players with Space Marines in their space in their army or something like that. But how does this work with Imperium detachments and Chaos detachments and Soup detachments as well? It's just a question I had. Well, you can bring several Imperium detachments, but none of the factions in those detachments can, can be duplicated. So you can take Imperium detachments with like Sisters and Grey Knights, and then another one with Astra Militarum and Space Marines, but then those four factions are, are out of the team. Okay, so in your within your team, all the faction keywords in an army list have to be unique to that army list. So if you're running, if you have Grey Knight faction keyword units in your in your army, you're the only one who can have Grey Knights in your army. In whatever capacity. Yeah. Okay. None of the other teammates can have it. Yeah. Which is also what makes the format so so nice because often it's like, you know, the first four or five lists are pretty easy to to make out, but then those three other lists, you know, they're a bit out there sometimes, and that's why I called the Russian uh, uh, win an upset last year because everybody looked at their lists going in like, what the hell are they doing? You know, these guys don't know what they're doing, but. They came out on top and they actually smashed everybody along the way. So it's because they also thought with these last two, three lists that they made, like, uh, you know, let's go out there and look for things that people are not expecting. So, and it, it worked in their favor in the end. So, okay. Last year, or last year I know there was a, a Google Drive doc passed around of all the ETC lists, um, but I imagine it's probably been lost to time. And also, is there a place, a universal place? people can go to to look at these lists, um, maybe for scouting purposes or um, maybe just because they just want to know, um, or maybe after the events happened? Is there like a website or any place people can go to to check out ETC lists and tactics? Yeah, so there's an ETC uh, Facebook page where they get posted. Um, there's, of course, the ETC Captain's Council pages on the Warhammer forums. It's warhammer.org.uk. That's like the place where the ETC has its home. It's a... Um, Hosted by uh, some uh, UK guys, um, and um, yeah, there are several places that are 
posting these lists all the time. Like there's some, some Spanish websites or blogs, blogs that are posting them. I think the Allies of Convenience guys are also posting it on their Facebook pages. So um, yeah, I guess we can find it just by Googling it. I think they're all out there, easy to find. Okay. Um, and, and on that same topic of coverage, um, in the past, I personally have had some trouble uh, following ETC events, specifically when I first started playing 40K and when I was really hungry for 40K tournament lists. Um, I know you guys had you guys did have a stream last year um, the, uh, in Spain, um, but are there any ex any uh, plans to expand beyond the stream, like a like a universal blog where where people can talk, um, or like a YouTube channel, um, or does that thing already exist? Yeah. No, basically this all depends on the organizers. So okay. the ETC is like a volunteer event, which is run entirely by volunteers. So it's often very difficult to find the people willing to dedicate some time to organize all that. So basically every year it's the same story that we just get the basics on, like terrain judges uh, and people running around trying to, to organize the, the ETC itself and all the things on the side, like the stream and, and all these things, the nice to have, the reporting, it doesn't get done because we can't find the people that are willing to spend the time and the energy for it. So it's a gripe I have. I, I try to make it a bit more professional and um, I put some suggestions out there for people to be paid and just to have the players pay a bit more to pay these guys to really have that coverage but yeah it's a difficult uh, thing to sell of course so we're looking into it but it's very very difficult okay yeah um, it's uh that is that is too bad because I think a lot of I don't know the way you, you kind of get very distant when you're talking about it it is such a like a it is a very epic stage um, you know, for, for, for 40 K and it would be great if there was, you know, some really great coverage of the event. Maybe that's an opportunity for someone listening out there, you know, be a, be a foreign correspondent, make the trek. And uh, there's an opportunity, you know, fa Facebook live stream, the whole thing. Yeah, well, I, I get the impression that there's a bit more enthusiasm for ETC and that it's becoming to, to get known as a really elite and, and great event and that people are maybe getting a bit more interested in, in putting in some of their money to sponsor it and whatnot. So I think we're getting there slowly, but in essence, it's still uh, an event that's run on a volunteer basis. And it's weird for such an elite event to, if, if you knew behind the scenes what it took to organize one, you would oh, all be very surprised, I think. It's a pain. It's, it's so... It's working with a minimal group. Yeah. Go ahead, Tom. Sorry. Yeah, no, no. So I think like basically like ten guys are working it. Uh, you see what kind of crews Adepticon have or the frontline gaming guys to organize their events, and basically we're catering to the same amount of people. You know, we are also having like six, seven hundred players there easily. So, but we're organizing it with like ten people behind the scenes. So I think you cannot imagine that for one of the big US events like Adepticon or whatnot. I think they have like easily like yeah. ten times as many people can it throughout the year. So. And um and I think I think uh I think those numbers might be a little misleading because we have probably a total of like of maybe less than ten real people helping at the LVO. Like obviously everyone who works at Frontline help pitches in, but we have like a main view. But I, and, and I'm not belittling what you guys do. Creating an ETC event, an international event like the ETC every year, is a tremendous feat just by itself. And you guys aren't just doing 40k, right? You guys are doing fantasy. I don't know if you guys have jumped into Age of Sigmar. Um, but you guys do traditionally do fantasy, 40k. You guys just introduced X-Wing into the ETC a few years ago. I think last year was maybe the first year in the ETC for X-Wing. Yeah. Um, and then obviously yeah, Flames of War. Right. Yeah. yeah, so so it's not a it's not just like a 40k thing. It's an international event, right? It, it's massive. And um, the fact that you guys work on a volunteer yeah. basis is that's probably mo the most important because you guys all have day jobs you're volunteers you guys you guys don't just sit in a, a coffin for you know nine months and just work on the etc you guys have jobs and stuff so um yeah yeah it's a lot of how, lot how of is it that. so like uh, you know we were saying talking about how it's kind of hard to sometimes get information on it although uh tom's absolutely correct just a quick google and you can find all the lists from last year and, and lots of good stuff um, Tom, how has it become like uh, the dominant tournament format? Do you think 
uh, that sort of uh, happens in Europe. Most of the time when I, you know, I, I can only relate to the European scene through podcasts and, and what I see posted on Facebook. But it seems like ETC is still very much the most common format. Are, are there other formats out there like in Germany or, or France that, that might be different from ETC or anything like that? Well, in Germany, it's a bit different. Uh, always, they, they have their own tournament format, and they play pure Maelstrom. They don't play anything, you know, hmm. which is quite weird, I think, but uh, which kind of explains as well why they are very good generals all the time, because they need to play very dynamic armies to be able to deal with all the Maelstrom, and it gets very funky sometimes with the Maelstrom cards, very lucky, luck-based, so you need to change your direction of your army a lot to, to score. So that explains why they're always very successful. But then, yeah, in the rest of Europe, I think uh, they adopted the ETC format as the standard a bit because, um, like for my, I saw the guys who are involved with ETC or the ETC teams are often like people who are leading their communities. So they also drive the point through. They they use the ETC format as, as an, a base for their own tournaments because then they can also practice for it or so their people can practice for going to ETC because for most European teams the entire year is just practice for ETC you know leading up to the event um, trying out new armies trying out new stuff uh, the missions change also a few times over, over the years so you always need to change for that as well and practice so that's why most people just adopt it so they can practice the most they can I think that's the main reason. I think. Do Do you get a lot of spectators coming from all the different countries, like like friends and family members of competitors uh, that come to the ETC, or is it mostly just competitors and people competing in the ETC? Mostly just players. Yeah, we're trying to change it as well, but uh, it's very difficult to get it organized because you have a minimal crew, so doing all that stuff on the side takes so much time and effort organize all that and plus it takes a good communication line with uh, the main organizer which is always uh, very difficult it's not that easy to to do so okay so it's very difficult to organize all that on the side but um we're trying to to get there and i think slowly we're, we might be getting there i think this year ivan will do a good job of all the sides i think that's maybe a, a runoff for doing it every year from now all right. Um, so I have one one quick question, um, and then I'd like to jump to commercial break, and we can talk about the Belgian team championships and see some of this uh, talk come into fruition. Um, just real quick, I know you guys have a yellow card, red card system, um, and there was some controversy over here in the States, the LVO and with slow play, et cetera, et cetera, um, and the, the, the Tony Grappando and Alex Fennel situation. Um there's been talk of maybe switching to something, a system similar to what you guys run, which is like kind of like a yellow card, red card system. Um, do you think you could explain that a little bit for my, for the listeners who maybe haven't heard of it or how it works? Yeah, well, the, the ETC has and is a very competitive event. So we've had those Tony Alex situations a lot in the past. So we made a rules pack with some very basic uh, sportsmanship things in it. Um, so basically we introduced like a red and yellow card system um, for players who transgress on the sportsmanship side. But, um, yeah, you know, uh, I read your show notes and you said like, okay, what happens if both players are lying or if you can't trust one or whatnot? And all, all I can say is that it's basically always the very same people who, who, who generate these kind of problems. <laughs> so it's very easy to address it as a judge because you kind of know who is the guy instigating it. Yeah. So, so it's it's something very very natural for the referees. You know, we we kind of know the bad apples and we take a bit closer. We pay. One uh, one big distinction between uh, so they have the ETC goes and how North American tournaments go is that you guys call them referees over over here. We refer to them strictly as judges. Um, I don't know, because you've been involved in the organization, I find that, you know, I, I kind of pine for the ability for what we have as judges now to, to make calls and, and, and maybe, you know, intervene when, when one player is being, you know, a little out of line or what have you. Can you, do you have any idea of what the, the origin story was or how the sort of the referee system sort of evolved over the years or, or where it came from? Was there like a, you know, a bench clearing brawl in the swing and summer of 2010 <laughs> that, that got everyone, uh, you know, 
feeling like, like they needed to have someone who could be there and, and actually enforce a penalty. Because there's detailed penalties, too, for the ETC. There's some really cool floor floor rules. Yeah, well, that's something I worked on since the very beginning. I was involved to make all that clear, you know. Uh, so you know going into the event what you can expect. Um, that was not set up when, when I joined, so that was something that I said, okay, that needs to change, that needs to be a bit better. Um, so, but yeah, no, since the very beginning there were referees, I mean, you cannot have an event like this without having somebody to judge these awkward situations. Uh, let's be honest, Games Workshop is not helping us out there with writing rules that have weird interactions all the time. Um, so, no, referees needed to be in place since the very beginning. But um, this yellow red card system is something that just evolved over time. And uh, um, it's something that, that's very necessary. And basically, it's just very simple. If you make a transgression, uh, you get a yellow card that uh, gives you like a penalty on your team score. Uh, and if you have a second transgression throughout the tournament, you get a red card. And then all your games are scored 20-0 from that point on, and you don't don't play any more games. So it's a very hard cutoff, but it's something that we had to make because some of these players just uh, can't help themselves. That's also maybe a bit, um, how to say this, um, associated with the team format is that you don't want to let your team down. And I think a lot of players, uh, they ride yeah, thin lines sometimes because they feel like they have to go the extra mile to not let the, their, their teammates down. Mm. And they try to like yeah, balance a very thin line between what's should be allowed and should not be allowed. But um, over the years, like I said, you know, a lot of these teams are recurring members, so everybody starts to know each other, and it's been a bit, bit better the last few years because yeah, you know what to expect from each other, and um, also most of the captains. When we have uh, some captain councils during the events, we we have um, agreed that we want this to be a gentleman's game. So most teams and players understand that it, it's a game after all, and okay, there need to be some things in place, but uh, I've seen several ETC games where movements were forgotten and you're already two phases later and you still allow your opponent to do it, to go back and, and and do something because it's something key in the game and you don't want to win a game because a guy forgot about something or you might be in the same situation a turn later and you might expect the other guy to, to let you do the same. So... so I mean that. That being said, I mean the the ETC has like even I I started playing competitive 4K I guess two or three years ago, and you know when I first started playing the the reputation of you know ETC competition was you know as tight as 40K could get. Has has the card system you know helped with that to sort of take the maybe some of the harder edges to kind of get it a bit more gentlemanly because there is someone there who can enforce a penalty. Do you think? Yeah. Yeah. It's a- I certainly think so. I certainly it also helps that we have a head referee uh, in the uh, name of Neil, Neil Kerr, who is uh, one of the Scottish guys who has moved to Sweden. So he's a very well-known uh, celebrity because of also the funky lists he used to take to ETC and then beat face with them. Um, but um, yeah, he's a very loud guy. He's a very broad guy. Uh, he's a very imposing figure with a very loud voice. So he's been a head ref for two years. So people have learned not to mess with him. And he's also very, very curt with uh, the players when they transgress on, on some of these issues. So it does help as well to have uh, somebody in charge. What, what's uh, his name actually, again? Neil Kerr. N- Neil Kerr? Yeah. Oh, oh we got to get him in LVO. Get him on stream. People would love him. He's well, getting and, and... this year, so, so this year will be out. But maybe next year. Eric, you will be tempted, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if Tom, if you guys know UFC over there, but uh, actually, that's a, a big deal of, of what made the the UFC sort of uh, come out of nowhere was was their ref that that the, the like he's a very famous guy. He's sort of synonymous with it. So maybe it's the same thing, where, uh, like where I said, he'll, he'll gain notoriety as the first 40k helped. ref. Oh, all right, Tom. So. Thank you very much for answering all those questions. Um, uh, I know it was a lot of questions. We're going to go ahead and jump into a commercial break, and then after that we're going to talk about the Belgian team championships and a little bit more about what it's like to play in an ETC event. Do you believe the Emperor protects? Or do you believe 
A false god sits on the golden throne, and death to the false emperor. Regardless of whether you're a loyalist or a traitor, go to www.flyingmonkeycon.com www.flyingmonkeycon.com is Kansas' biggest wargaming convention with Warhammer 40k, Warhammer Age of Sigma, Kings of War, X-Wing, Horus Sea narrative events. It promises to be an amazing event set on the river of Wichita, Kansas at the Drury Inn. Get your tickets soon, the weekend of June 22nd through 24th, right here in the air, capital of Kansas. See you there. And we're back. So, you you are from Belgium, Tom, so is it safe to assume that the Belgian Team Championships are an event that you had um, an intimate relationship with, or um, you were very involved in them? Yeah, I, I was the main organizer together nice. together with the other guys from the Belgian team, yeah. We we use it as a sort of a fundraiser to fund our trip to the ETC each year. We have to pay a little bit less because, yeah, the ETC costs a person like 500 to 1,000 euros easily, so it's not that uh, easy to find people willing to put in the money. So we try to help them uh, by raising a little bit of funds so we can at least pay for like the, the hotel stay or for the foods over there or something like that. So we try to organize the Belgian team championships just to raise some funds every year. Yeah. That was the base uh, idea behind it. Yeah, okay. So um, when I looked at the Belgian team championships and the lists that they brought, uh, and by the way, guys, um, it, Tom, is it okay if I link the the Belgian team championships list uh, into sure. the notes? Okay, perfect. Sure. Um, so these lists are, are really really nasty lists. They're exactly what you would expect from an ETC-style event. Uh, so, so, you know, read or be warned. Um, these aren't your fun, fluffy lists. However, uh, there is definitely some intriguing lists there. Custodes are making a little bit more of a splash in these events, and I think it's safe to say that this is a kind of a spark of what you're going to see at this year's ETC in Croatia. Um, so, the real quick, the top three performing armies were Az... Oh, I might butcher names here. I apologize if I if I do. Um, uh, but uh, top three performing armies were uh, Azlax Stenkild Stenkild's Tyranids, uh, Josh Roberts. Uh, he had like a Dark Talon spam Imperium list, and Mani Chima's uh, Chaos Space Marine Cultist spam list. So those were the top three performing armies at the Belgian Team Championships. Um, is there any other armies or lists that you saw, Tom, that you'd like to highlight? Maybe something really cool or different that performed really well? Well, not really, because you saw a lot of lists were very similar. So, uh-huh. But uh, yeah, the Dark Talon list was something that we did not see. We, we tried taking a, a Dark Talon uh, last year at ETC, um, but um, because just there were a lot of uh, flyers back in the day, and we thought the Dark Talons might be a, a counter to them. But we didn't see uh, the com- combinations that uh, somebody like Josh Roberts, who's one of the best European players since a long time, uh, the, the combo that he made was uh, just too good. You know, it's, uh, And you know, it's making a splash in Europe, and everybody's copying the list. So it's uh, yeah. one that caught everybody a bit off guard, I think. Right. And, and here's something. I, I want to put a little bit of a stigma to rest here. Um, something that I've just kind of learned from following the ETC and the players um, just from my limited experience is uh, there there is definitely an element to um, picking your matchups and so that might skew the win-loss ratio a little bit. However, in general, I've seen the top players always still rise to the top um, no matter what matchups are given. Right. So if, if you're unfamiliar with the way ETC picks um, matchups, you essentially you have like a, a kind of like a draft style situation where um, you pick a, an attacker and then they get to essentially pick which who their opponent is between two defender lists. Tom, is that correct? No, you, you put on one defender and then you have two attackers attacking that defender list, yeah. Okay, and then yeah. the defender chooses which of the attackers is actually chosen for the matchup. Yeah, um, so you can kind of craft who you're, you're playing, um, who you're going to play uh, in terms of your matchups. However, 
it's it's not always guaranteed, and sometimes you have to bite the bullet and play a match that you you might not want to play or a bad matchup for yourself. Um, so when you got guys like John Josh Roberts who who performs really well, or uh, I'm going to use the U.S. team because I know them really well, uh, Ganyo Nadavati and Sean Naden, who all went undefeated on the U.S. team in the ETC last year, uh, those guys they're probably getting matchups they want, but you know that they're getting matchups that they don't want, but they're still winning. They're still going 6-0, and and they're still getting points for their team. Um, so as you're looking at these lists, guys, remember that these guys, these lists, they might be tuned lists that can table your opponents and, and have really good matchups, but these opponents are also, or these players are also doing really well against bad matchups too. So if you see a, like a Storm Raven list and you think like, oh, he can get destroyed by Dark Reapers. Like, why is that guy running this list? And that guy goes 6-0. He might have played Dark Reapers once. He might have just outplayed the Dark Reapers player, too. So there's definitely an element of skill involved to this beyond list creation. Um, so it's not just spamming lists. It's also about skill. And there's a bunch of different aspects that go into this, which is why... Um... Also... Go ahead, Tom. There's also... Another element that you're forgetting about is um, that the defender gets a picky stable. So basically, you have a row of eight... Uh, where four are like middle density, two are very heavy dense, and two are very light on, on terrain. So when you get put down as a first defender, you get to pick one of the eight tables, which is huge, of course. Like uh, if you pick a table with a lot of line of sight blockers, you can often avoid being tabled in one or two turns and can drag a game that you would not be able to drag if you were playing on one of the other tables. So the, the role you're playing on sometimes has a very big impact on who you put down as a first defender because it changed the entire the entire um, dynamic. I'd say pairing matrix you have designed. Yeah, okay. the entire dynamic of, of how you want to pair for that round is often decided by the tables that are available. So there's there's that element too, which makes it a very very complex. Thing. You also have to understand that a lot of these players that are on the ETC, ETC team they train very hard for all their uh, direct counters, you know, like you know if you're going to get checked down as a first defender because that's your role on a team, that you're going to get all these crazy matchups that you normally can get any points out of, but you've trained that match like, like 60, 70 games in a row, and you know perfectly how to handle it. So if the opponent makes like one mistake, you can probably swing the game from scoring zero points to like eight or nine, which can shift around in your favor. So that's also an element that's very important for ETC is that people know what they have to do in, in a lot of these situations, so... Oh, that's, and obviously, you could go on and on about at, on this particular topic. There's probably tons of different things you could talk about here in terms of terrain placement and all that. Um, and as a side note, um, if you've seen pictures of ETC terrain online, guys, maybe it was one of those lightly populated terrain you know, tables, um, so, so maybe don't be too quick to judge. Uh, if you know, assuming that all the ETC tables are are you know uh, sparsely populated, might be false. Um, that's just an interesting interesting thing to think about. Um, let's go ahead and talk about the winning team. It was a uh, team England, and I, I, is it safe to assume that they were all from the UK? Team yeah. England. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, there was a. And jo- also four guys. Who... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was Josh Robert and Mani Chima, the two of the top three performing lists, were on that team, which is no no surprise. Um, and then their factions were Eldari, um, they had the Imperium, Josh Roberts Imperium list, Mani Chima's CSM list, and then they had a Tyranids list, which is pretty much the standard Tyranid list that you think you're going to see at the ETC, which is essentially a ton of Flyerants, some real cheap units, maybe Rippers or Mucolid Spore Mines, and some Molochs. Maybe you might mix that up a little bit, but I think that's probably the golden standard Tyranid list in the ETC format. Um, were they were they particularly dominant, or were there any really close matchups that they played? Well, there were a very, a very few close games, actually, but um, the thing with, with the ETC format is, at the end, it can swing very hard, you know, if you get tabled, it's 20-0 standard, even though uh, game-wise, it was very close in, in terms of points. So Josh just had a list where he can actually pretty easily table somebody. So that's what happened in a lot of cases, like turn five, six, or seven. He actually got a tabling, so he got the 20 points. Um, so, so no, the games were pretty close, actually, most of the time. And okay. they swung on a few big, big notes in, in the game. 
Like uh, I know Courtney as well. He lost a lot of points because of some lucky or unlucky dice rolls. So, so no, no, it, they were quite close games. Yeah, it's not that they steamrolled all their opponents. So okay, all right. Well, that, that's cool. Um, were there any players to watch in this event or lists uh, to look at um, that you might want to highlight? So anyone maybe who wasn't on Team England. Um, but any of the other players that maybe you think they were on a team that performed poorly, but the player themselves um, or someone you definitely need to watch in the future in the ETC? Yeah, so uh, some of us, like teammates, uh, the Danish guys, they're always very tough competitors on the ETC. They're always like in the top 10 at least. Um, so Laga as well was playing similar lists than I did. So he was one that I was uh, looking out for, but he had the same problem as me with his list, is that the obliterators are just a bit too random and didn't quite work out too well for him. And he had two little cultists. You saw from Manny's list that bringing more is always better. <laughs> so, so yeah, Log is somebody that was I was looking forward to, and then um, I was very surprised by Henrik, one of the new guys on the Danish team, by the level he, he put down. It's not somebody I had heard of or seen uh, play on any of the... Danish tournaments, so he was a very, very top competitor. So he's certainly Henrik Davison is his name. Uh, if you hear about him, uh, take notice because he's a very good player, and I think he will make a Merc team this year on ETC if he's available and if there's need for the ETC team. I think he's a certain pick for that team. Nice. Um, yeah. So another than that, uh, yeah, there were some French guys, uh, the, the real French team, the. The Bisonux, like they, they're called, uh, which is uh, French for Care Bears, they couldn't come because they were too busy preparing qualifiers, which is actually happening this weekend. Um, so they said they would not come this year because they wanted to prepare in full for uh, the qualification. Because I don't know if you know uh, in France, but uh, they have a qualification system there where teams of eight people uh, meet teams of eight people. And uh, I yeah, think. You can put they, so their their team it's like sixteen teams over the years, huh? Yeah, like so Team France is really could just be eight pals that 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 won that tournament, right? That's <laughs> they sort of you you play yeah, your way exactly. in, right? Yes, you I think have sixteen cool. teams to compete for the title of who is the team who is going to go to the to the ETC. So the team that wins the the qualifier just gets to go. There's uh, no way around it. So. Yeah. It's very important to be well prepared because if you're not prepared and you lose a round or something, you might not go to the ETC. So they take it quite seriously. Yeah. Which and is why they said, okay, this year we'll skip it. I don't want to derail it, but is there like a dominant French team that always that always represents Team France or has it changed up a lot? No, no, no. It's basically just one team that has been going since the very beginning. Wow. <laughs> this is always <laughs> with the qualifiers. <laughs> so, yeah, they... Like I said, they take it very seriously, so they prepare very, very well. And also, it looks like this year they, they have it already in the bag after one day. They won three games, so so it looks like they're going again next year, which is a very tough feat because a lot of these uh, teams on the qualifying rounds are actually very tough composition, comp- uh, competition. Um, so we had two of these other French teams coming over, and they did quite well. Um, so one of the guys that um, you have to look out as well is uh, Nicolas Fortin. He was playing Oryx this, uh, this, this team championships. He's a very good player as well, and he always plays like funky lists. Um, so last year he had uh, an elder list at ETC with uh, two bastions, which nobody understood, but he scored very highly with it. He has so like he had, 90 points out of 100. He had an orc list with two bastions. So he had two. He only had one detachment of orcs and just two no, bastions. No, he, he had uh, Eldar last year with two bastions oh, at ETC. Oh, Eldar. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Um, um, this year, he's playing Oryx for the Belgian Team Championships, and he will also play the Oryx at ETC. Um, so, so yeah, that, that was strange to see that somebody like that was picking up Oryx. So, so that's also a list uh, I was keen on watching, and I actually played him, so uh, good to see. Nice. And as an, as an interested Oryx player myself, how, how, did, how did it go for him? Uh, he, and for you? He didn't do quite Bad. Um, so I, I was playing uh, the Boxwalker Dead Guard list. So yeah, I was just spamming every every orc boy that died or every cultist that died. Just got a, got another uh, cultist, but it was an 11-9 game. So we just drew each other. Just he was chucking orcs at me, but he had all the mails from, and I could not 
come any closer because there was just a wall of orcs in front of me all the time. It's just so many boys that are able to shoot through. So, so yeah, it's very interesting to see the dynamic of uh, all these bodies, you know. Uh, something I hate about Eighth Edition is uh, you need so many, so many models all the time. Yeah, yeah, it can it can get horde armies can get pretty crazy in eighth edition. Um, but to to backtrack a little bit and to clarify, uh, the Danish team Tom was talking about those team Fritkot Fritko, I don't know how to pronounce yeah. it. Frit Frit F R I T K O T. They were the second place team. Um, that that was the the ones you were talking about the players that that uh to watch as well. Um, but <clears throat> so uh move moving on to the uh, future of the ETC is there? Is there like an ETC circuit? So, so here at the US, we have, we have, you know, we have the Depticon um, in March, and then we move into the summer, cha- the summer uh, tournaments where we have a lot of a string of really, really uh, high caliber tournaments in the summer, and then it goes to um, Nova in September, and then we kind of go on hiatus a little bit into October, and then LBO happens. So that's kind of like our tournament circuit. So what's the tournament circuit like in Europe? Um, and what are some terms to look for in coming in the coming months? So it's a bit scattered. So um, every country basically has their own events, but there's not a lot of ETC guys who travel abroad. That um, there's a few in the UK that are very uh, well attended. Like the, the Dutch guys are attending, the Belgian guys are attending. There's some guys from Denmark going over, which is uh, the Caledonian events. So the Caledonian Revolution and Caledonian Uprising. The Uprising event just happened a few months ago, and the Revolution will be in June, I think. So that's also a very big event leading up to the ETC because it's like a, a few weeks before list submissions. It's always a good uh, opportunity to test some lists before uh, you submit uh, the final team list. Um, there's uh, the Prague Open next week that I'll be attending, but that's a quite new event and doesn't have that much than these, like I think there's only 50 players, um, so there's not a lot of uh, tournaments around here that have a big, big international tendency. It's mostly like local tournaments, so there's not really a, an ETC circuit. There's just a lot of scattered individual ETC format events. And okay. Uh, mostly, we are very lucky if we get more than 50 people attending. I think. Okay. And that goes for most countries, except for the big countries like. Uh, Germany and Poland, where generally there's uh, more attendance. Um, sorry, my my daughter walked in, saw me recording, started calling Dada. Um, but to, to backtrack a little, I actually had a question that I forgot, and I just brought back to. You. If you don't mind, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask it. it does it does kind of backtrack a little bit to a previous conversation? Um, but that is is in terms of uh country qualifiers or or how countries determine who qualifies to go to the ETC, obviously countries are all different, right? So the U.S., um, we've been changing it up. Sometimes it's there's been, like, who's won the major tournaments, and then um, there's wildcard picks. This year, everyone's handpicked by Sean Naden. Um, what do you think is the best way to qualify for the ETC um, for, a tur- for a country? What do you think is the best method? It's hard to say. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion about this in the past as well. Well, and there's been a lot of gripes about it from people who want to be on the team but can't be on the team. So I've been yeah. handling so many private messages about this that uh, I could not uh, name all of them. Yeah. In the span of a few days, I think, in so many of them. Um, but I, I don't know. Um, here in Belgium, we had different systems. We tried a bit all of them, like handpicking, having a, a ranking system, having a voting system. None of them quite worked. There's always some cons and pros to all of them. So... I think just having selecting a captain you trust and having him handpick is still the easiest and the best way I think okay. um, because there there's there's more criteria than just being a good player you know you have to be a team player to be at the ETC like somebody like Nick Nanavari I mean the first year that Nick was on the team I don't think any of the American guys just expected him to do well and they just chucked him under the bus every time and he had like 84 points so after that he became uh, uncontested and everybody saw that he was really a, a good player who also for the team is willing and capable to go under the bus and doesn't really care you know so it takes a certain mentality from somebody to 
to go to ETC and have that happen to him, you know, like Nick did very well, but you can easily have a guy who scores like 10 points over over six games, which is uh, mentally very hard, you know, of course. Mm-hmm. So it's just more than being a good player. If you need somebody who gels with the team. You are also going to spend a lot of time with this, this person uh, off and on the, the gaming hall. So you need to have somebody that you have a good relationship with. I mean, it doesn't serve taking a guy who's a good player, but a bit of a dick, you know, you will have a hard time uh, yeah, the, the social side, you know, you don't like hanging out with him or whatnot, or he's very awkward to talk to or a bit socially introvert or whatnot. So usually those guys do not get picked. So I think having a captain who is mindful of all that and can pick the best eight people to be on the team is the best way to go, I think. Okay, great. Val? I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Actually, I think that's kind of how um, Canada works in a way as well as the sort of the, the preceding captain uh, usually will convene a selection committee and, you know, there's there's so, you know, there's tries to be there's a process and that you have to apply and and uh, and make your case. But it does seem to be good. Although, you know, I think uh, Tom was alluded to sort of like the concerns around cliqueiness, you know, and people picking their friends and things. So I guess it just gets kind of tricky. You got to do your best to be as transparent as you can. Yeah. That's big detail. Yeah. All right. Tom, is there any are there any events you'd like to plug? Um, any sponsors of those events that you'd like to plug? Um before we before we wrap up, well, I'm organizing an event in um, in June. It's gonna be in Serbia. Um, like you might know, my wife is from Serbia. Um, she was one of the ETC organizers from way back in the day. Wow. And uh, we're going to yeah yeah that's how we met. Playing toy soldiers. Wow. It's a very funny. Story. What does she play? Does she play 40k? No, she played fantasy. So oh. She was a. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, very nice story, uh, but that's for another day. Um, so we're going to do the the Grand uh, Novisat Open um, in June. So I would like, of course, people to attend that. It's going to be six man, a six man team event uh, with, of course, CTC rules. So we hope some people from abroad will attend. Um, so that's one I would like to plug. But I will be sure to send you the links and whatnot uh, later time. Maybe you can plug it a bit more on your show for me. Um, and then, yeah, there's a Prague Open next week, which is something very new. Uh, it's also the Germans are involved because it's going to be a tabletop masters event. So I hope that picks up in years to come to become one of the, the staple tournaments to go to. Um, then, of course, the Caledonian Revolution, but that's already sold out. So <laughs> even if I plug it now, it doesn't make much sense because there's no way to attend. There's just a huge waiting list to sign up to. Um, but that's always a very good event uh, run by one of the English uh, guys, uh, Tim King. So, yeah, there's a lot of them, actually. There's uh, some tournaments in uh, in Denmark, in Sweden, that are also like Göteborg. It's There's just too many. Uh, and, okay. uh, it's, it's, yeah, like, like I said, ETC is already a big drain on the budget every year, so trying to attend one of these events is just not, not possible for most people. Uh, I, I tend to, to go to a few international events, like going to France or, or Holland or, or to the UK once per year. But um, yeah, it, it takes a lot of out of the funds, and I don't think it's for everybody. Yeah, definitely not. And so, is there um, on the Warhammer.org.uk site? Is there a universal place we can look at where all the ETC tournaments are listed? No, that's a, that's a. a one of the big gripes I had as well is when I was involved with ETC, I tried having like an international calendar to list all those events, but uh, yeah, it just never, never happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. I tried, I tried to have people submit it, but, but no, it just scattered across a lot of uh, Facebook pages uh, at the moment. Okay. All right. So, Tom? This is, this is maybe a, a, an international, uh, you know, um, thing that we should get together is a, a shared Google calendar for the entire tournament community of planet Earth. That would be we really all, cool. all get together and we just add it to the same calendar. ITC, ETC, whatever ETC, the Germans do. Nova, whatever. Yeah. GW. <laughs> I think, you know what? I, I, I think that's something uh, I think that's something that you podcast uh, creators are actually very important for it because you're you're gelling uh, the, the people together like uh, 
one of the guys from the Caledonian that watch radio was on the Canhammer podcast. And so there's a bit of, uh, of intermingling that's happening on the international front. So I hope that uh, this can continue going forward and that maybe this international calendar thing is something that's, that comes out of it, you know, that people share more information and that everything can, everything can get more centralized because that would be very, very nice if we could uh, get that happening. And I think uh, you guys are very important. Uh, I would say that uh, catalyzer for that. So thanks. Tom. Well, well, Tom, uh, Tom, uh, you, you may not be aware, although I assume you are. This is a you know a frontline gaming <laughs> ITC. Uh, you know this this is the this is East meets West here, right here on this podcast. This is like a, a diplomatic mission between the two formats. So it's been great to be able to chat. We, we are yeah, very we far away from each other. <laughs> yeah, we can also have a very separate podcast about that, but. Uh, I, over the years, I, I threw a lot of lines uh, Reese's way, but uh, he, the fish never caught on, you know? Yeah, and, and that's that's one thing you'll... So there were already a lot of attempts. Yeah, yeah. And, and and you'll see that in, in any competitive community, you know, even like like as, like as the FIFA community, right? Like the, the a league in, in Europe or I guess Northern Europe might be different from a league. And I know nothing about FIFA, by the way, guys. I'm only, I'm only trying to relate to Tom here who probably follows FIFA more than I do. Um, but th- there are there are always different communities within a larger community, no matter what, right? So there's always different philosophies, and it's based off of multiple things: climates, community leaders, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it's it's always important that that we recognize the fact that we are all part of a bigger 40k community, um, which is why I actually think GW should be the ones who have an international calendar. I don't think it should be up to um, you know Tom at the ETC or the ITC to come up with something that the 40k community needs, right? So GW, if you're listening, you know, maybe maybe come up with some sort of international calendar system um, where people can just go to events. Like, obviously, Wizards of the Coast does it for Magic. Um, Fantasy Flight Games does it for their larger regional tournaments, um, but they're also only U.S.-focused. Um, you used to be in the back pages of White Dwarf. Do you guys remember that? Wow. Way, okay. way back in the day, they used to have all the RTTs. And GTs in the back pages of White Dwarf. I might be hallucinating, but I'm pretty sure that was real. Yeah, that was back when that was back when there weren't you know tens of thousands of events in a year for 40k. Or I'm sure there's probably not tens of thousands. Um, no, actually, no, probably. I don't know. There's like over 4,000 ITC events alone. That's just our numbers. Um, and then you know all the thousands of ETC events, and then all the events in Canada and in Australia. Yeah, you probably have over 10,000. 40k events that people go to and that's probably not including leagues like there's this community is huge and um i agree with you tom i think that's very important that podcasters and community leaders work together and promote each other's events and um that's there's all nothing but good can come from talking to each other about 40k no matter what so yeah yeah, i I agree and i I also hope games workshop is listening and that they uh they put that into place just like uh, having some kind of tournament software or whatnot, where all the lists and stuff and, and results can can, can happen. Uh, like the Bisco sparing guys, I can say enough good words about them. Uh, uh, the the thing that they made is just very very nice. Uh, for somebody who's just following something from the other side of the the world, you know. So it's very nice to have that. And I cannot fathom why Games Workshop has not put money into developing something like that. We almost went an entire episode. Sorry about that, Tom. Um, yeah. We almost went an entire episode, Val, without talking about the BCP app. Can you believe well, that? That's because all the, all of these are on on lovely PDFs shared on our friends at Google Drive. <laughs> um, Got to plug our pals at Google Drive. That Google Drive, you guys help us out a lot. Um, but, uh, Tom, thank you very much for coming on, and thank you so much Absolutely. for answering all our questions. Uh, I hope we didn't sound. I hope I didn't sound too much like an ignorant American. Um, I, well, I tried my... you opened with Belgish. <laughs> I know. I, yeah, yeah. Down. I mean, I can only go up from there, right? Pretty much. Um, Tom, thank you very much for coming on. I, I really hope to one day meet you and see you at the ETC. Um, that that's ultimately one of my dreams is to go to every single large 40k event, and the ETC is definitely one of those large 40k events. Um. Thank you very much for coming on, Tom. Val, thank you very much for coming on here and helping me out. It's always great to have you on. You're a very colorful guy. You added more they... international 
this internationalism to this podcast and internationalism and tom i'm secretly a member of team canada whether you know it or not and uh, just been gathering intel this whole time taking notes about the local scene in europe so uh we'll see you in a few months and hopefully even connect before uh the big tournament yeah 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 i hope so too Uh, we played canada last year so who won i know there's round one challenges that are possible i think we'll throw on the canadian way so (laughs) Uh-oh. If, if, oh. you're, you're offered, if you're there, then uh, it can be arranged. No, oh. I'm not the, I am not the <laughs> captain here, sir. I, I, I'm, uh, I'm, okay. mere, I'm merely a role player at this time in my career. I'll talk to Chris. We'll make it happen. <laughs> right on. All right, guys, if you're a listener to this podcast, uh, please make sure to go to FrontlineGaming.org and help support us. Go to the BCP app. Those guys are always a major sponsor of the Chapter Tactics podcast. And if you have any questions for me, as always, you can email me, FrontlineGamingPDPAB at gmail.com. If you're a member of the ITC, the ETC, the ATC, the BTC, whatever, email me. Um, I always take criticism. I always answer list questions, etc., etc. Also, if you're new here and you were sent here from the ETC guys um, and you've never listened to my podcast before, I highly recommend going to the first episode where I talk about specifically podcasts. And then I would also recommend going to frontlinegaming.org and in the show notes, finding the archive of all my episodes hopefully you can listen to them hopefully you like them um i plan on being more focused international focused Uh, i don't want to just focus on itc events i like to focus on all the events um so if you have any constructive criticism and you're an etc guy um give me a shout out i'd love to i'm always looking to improve my podcast anyways guys thanks for listening you guys are the best listeners in the world and have a good one